Welcome to Makeshift, a Mishbacha podcast examining the shifting trends affecting our community. I'm Sarah Eisman, your host. Shana Karen is a career consultant who helps people discover and create careers that fit their best talents, interests, and life goals. She also advises businesses on hiring and keeping the right people in the right seat, which sounds like a win-win to me. Our listeners will recognize Shana from her column in Mishbacha called Works For Me, where she answers career questions. We are going to be discussing shifting trends in careers and education. Talk about a field that has had some major shifts over, you know, the last few decades. Shana, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about your training, what you do, how long you've been in the field? Kind of introduce us uh, to the listeners. Sure. So I actually, my background's in education. I got a master's degree, like most people, you know, in my day and age did. Um, in education and work in that field for a while. And I was always looking for something else. And I like psychology, I like business. So I spent a lot of time trying to understand the combination of those two things, which led me to taking numerous tests online, like every test that was available, the personality quizzes, uh, the career quizzes, and eventually led me to Rockford Institute. And I loved what they did so much that I uh, went there for training and trained with Nicholas Lohr, who was actually the founder of the term career coaching back in the 1980s. The only kind of coach there was were sports coaches. Um, and he came up with this term career coaching and really created an industry that now is pretty common. Uh, so I trained there in 2017. Mm -hmm. I spent the first year doing it on the side while I was still um, actually running a daycare. And then after the first year, went to doing it full time. Uh, which I'm still doing today. Oh, so you trained with the best of the best. That's cool. Do you work exclusively with the firm community? I would say mostly, but not exclusively, especially because the only social media that I really use is LinkedIn. Um, and so I had had a job where I needed to have a LinkedIn profile back maybe in like 2011. So that's why I knew what LinkedIn was. And so when I started uh, my own business and, you know, I finished training and started going out on my own, I opened up LinkedIn and figured I should update it and post there. And it was magical because suddenly people were, were messaging me and I was busy with work within a couple of months and it's kept up ever since. So a lot of my connections are from, but people have reached out to me, you know, outside of the community. And it's been great just to be able to also just keep balance of what's going on and compare the difference and see how things are. But of course, my specialty and what I love doing is working with from people because there's just so many nuances and differences that career choice has with this population. Absolutely. I mean, when, you know, a firm woman makes a decision about a career, there's just so many factors that go in beyond just what does she want to do, you know? Exactly. It's a big part, but it's also kind of a small part, you know, it's just so many other factors. So I am curious, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in the world at large? And then I'd love to hear how you do or don't see those reflected in our community. Yeah. I mean, the trends in the world are moving so quickly. It's wild. I tell people all the time, like, you're so lucky to have been born in this day and age and be looking for a career because I have conversations with people my parents' age and grandparents. And the things that we have available to us, even now versus 20 years ago, is just so different. And it keeps getting better and better, easier to make money, easier to get an education. And so there are things like uh, technology, you know, field that obviously is growing and from people, I'm seeing that as well. What's interesting to me with from people is that we care about careers a whole lot less in general. 
right? Like, we're not talking about it. We're not asking little kids what they want to be when they grow up. And if we are, it's like just a silly conversation. We're not sitting the way they are in other communities. You know, by the time the kid's in high school, they have a pretty clear path and they were meeting with career counselors and they're taking their SATs and they're applying to colleges and they have a whole path laid out from the beginning of high school. So it seems like we care a lot less. But then what happens as soon as we need to support ourselves or support a family, then we have this like big rush. And so I think that it's a lot more pressured for maybe girls when they're 18 in the Lipish communities and guys whenever it is that they are ready to go out. Usually it's a little bit later. It's like this very intense pressured time. But then over the long term, I think that compared to the general public, I would say we succeed if income is any factor then we succeed on average like a whole lot higher because once we do it, we do it all the way, we do it right. I don't know if it's because we want to or we need to, (laughs) but that's what ends up happening. Want to or need to, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's true. I mean, by the time you have a lot of guys getting into the work world, they may already have a full family to support. Yeah. So the pressure is intense and it's real, that's for sure. Could you break some of those shifts down for us in terms of men and women are you seeing men going into careers earlier on or what What are some of the things you're seeing them go into? Yeah. So I guess like to answer that question, I'll just like break things down into a couple of categories. So the first thing is like the information age, right? You know, there was the industrial revolution and right, the information revolution. Information, I think it was in 1945, doubled every 25 years. Nowadays, it doubles every 12 hours. Wow. <laughs> It's wild. So part of the answer is that that's going to affect education. That's going to affect jobs. I mean, if someone's in college now and they're going to graduate in four years, like the world is a different place in four years from now. And if they're learning the same curriculum, it's going to be interesting how that plays out by the time they're ready to look for a job. And I'm sort of stepping into like, you know, another discussion of like the college versus me. We'll get to that later. So the fact that it's so easy to access knowledge, I think, change things. And to change industries in terms of, let's say, there's a lot of talk recently about AI and how it's taking over people's jobs, skills like design and writing and things like that. And then I think what we're seeing is that people are realizing more and more how it's the soft skills, like the human skills that are always going to be important. And and I think that that's probably a very commonly Googled thing or like, what skills can robots never take over? And people are getting a little bit frantic. And it's funny, though, because... I think that if you look back to like 50 or 70 years ago and compared to the jobs today that robots took over, it seems silly to us to think, oh, do you really want people still doing those types of things? Like, why should you be washing your dishes? The basic things. So I think it's like good to look at that in perspective and see like, it's going to be really good that jobs are taken over. We just want to make sure that we're keeping ahead of it. And so that's affecting education in the fact that it's getting More and more important, because if you don't keep up with your education, you're going to fall behind. Albert Einstein has, there is a quote, you know, once you stop learning, you start dying, right? You got to keep up. On the other hand, like traditional education may matter less. It's more like, show me what you can do than what you know. And then there's that also the way that is impacting technology because it's uh, developing faster than we can keep track of. I mean, every day you hear of a new technology, something new. I know in Zoom, I use every day and I just learned about this new thing that can take notes while you're talking. And I just started using that yesterday. And then every week, you know, friends that I have are in software will mention this new cool thing that you can use for free. I mean, think about the world before there was Zoom. Like, who could even imagine? I I spend most of my day in a Zoom room. Right. So that's changing. Like, that's making new jobs being created and replacing other jobs. 
so quickly. So I think the firm world is seeing the same thing. We're just a few years behind Uh what everyone else is experiencing. That's very interesting what you're saying, because some of the more people skills, you know, those continue to require the full four years or the master's level education. And some of those are skills that really can't be taught. You sort of have to, I mean, they can be improved, but you have to come with them. You have to bring them with you. So some of these other technological skills, it almost works well to the advantage of some of the young men going into the market, because even if they're coming in later, it's not like they necessarily have to follow a formalized program of a set amount of years. Like if you've got a, you know, a Gamara cup or if you've got a, you know, a quick head and you can catch on to things quickly, you don't necessarily need that formalized education in the same way. hundred percent. If I'm understanding you right. Yeah. I mean, I would uh, quote even uh, Fraim Arnstein from Fitbean. He owns a very large um, web development company in Lakewood. And I've asked him, like, you know, what do you look for? We had an interesting conversation and he told me, like, I'm really just looking for smart, quick people. Mm-hmm. I really don't even care if they got an education. And he says, like, I myself, I don't have a college degree. Like, I'm self-taught and it works really well. They have amazing customers. They're building uh, websites for giant, well-known companies. And then the fields where you still need to get an education are the fields where you need to learn that body of knowledge that maybe is changing, like the medical field or the legal field or the education field. But there's still a body of knowledge that you must master that's still a good basis that anybody who goes into the field responsibly needs to know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, as a therapist, I'm thinking about, you know, there's just some things that can't be rushed. You know, you still do need to do the internship and you still do need to learn, you know, the DSM. There's just a certain amount of basic knowledge that you have to have. But it is interesting that you're saying that the soft skills are where it's at because, you know, no matter what, as long as you're working with people, you still have to be able to work with people. Exactly. Like things like leadership, that's going to always be in demand, right? You know, things Mm -hmm. like empathy, things that you can't ever train a robot to do, those are going to be more and more important. And it used to be that you could learn a skill and then just do it on repeat for, you know, 30, 40 years, however many years you'd be working. And now it's like, oh, you actually have to be a nice person and go develop those soft skills to be successful in the workplace long term. Right. I'm wondering if you work with an older demographic where people might have that formal education but need help bringing their skills up to date. You know, I can't even imagine being a therapist nowadays without knowing how to use Zoom. Mm-hmm. You know, is that, uh, is, do you find that that's a demographic that needs some um, coaching? When I would speak to them, it would be more if like they lost their job and they're forced to switch industries than if they just need to brush up their skills. Because I think if somebody's been, and I'm guessing that you're a therapist, I didn't know that. Yeah. If you're a therapist and you've been doing this for 30 years and you're really good, people are going to still pay you top dollar and you'll still have a waiting list on whether or not you know how to pick up a phone or use Zoom. It matters less. Like the problem is more when a person has like a corporate job, you know, uh, say I'm thinking of a a 59-year-old who I worked with who had a technology job in a bank and then got laid off, you know, that's really a big challenge because what bank is hiring somebody in that age range? And it's very hard to find that very specific skill set, you know, that he did for 30 years. Uh So that's more the type of uh, client that would come to you. Yeah. And then what we do in that case is usually find something where probably more their personality or their leadership or management skills are going to come into play. And then if possible, I like uh, recommending people to open up their own companies at that age because They'll be able to transition and not be forced to retire, choose their hours. And if they have expertise, then often they can do some sort of consulting. And 
a lot of times they didn't realize that their skill set is is valuable. Right. And it could be, you know, just tweaked a little bit and turned into some sort of consulting arrangement. So that's another good option. And what about moms who are going back into the workforce? What are you seeing in terms of that? You're seeing less, you're seeing more. What's that trend been like? Yeah. So I think anybody who's probably, I want to say, under 35, it's very unlikely, or maybe I'm just not speaking to them, that they completely left the workforce. I think it's become more common that they're just, you know, dual earning households and that they're working. Like the people who are, you know, I took off to be a mom and I'm coming now are, are probably over 45 um, and they're getting restarted. And they're also at a point where they're probably not going to be taking a typical nine to five job. I mean, maybe, maybe they decided to go to school and become an accountant or a lawyer, uh, but more likely they're used to having flexibility. They have children that are a little bit older now. They want to be able to visit them. They want to be there for them when, when they're giving birth. So they'll probably also like learn a skill or there's so many skills that they've developed over the years that sometimes just needs like packaging up into something that you could sell. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to do unless someone's specifically looking for a nine to five, but it's pretty uncommon. Yeah, I think that's one of the best kept secrets. Nobody tells you that you're going to be busier in your 50s than <laughs> you wherever. Because now you're taking care of your aging parents and you're taking care of your married kids and you're taking care of you still might have some little ones at home. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the flexibility becomes even more important. Exactly. When your kids are young, you're basically based wherever they are. And as everybody gets older, you could be all over the place. So, yeah, you need to be able to get on a plane and it's just not going to work. Uh, but the women who are who I work with are very often between 25 and 35. They started off either they didn't choose a job like by choice, they sort of just ended up doing whatever it was, the typical thing, or they got a job and they ended up continuing there without really planning to make that into their career. And now they're thinking like, okay, I'm at a point where I have to be able to, if I'm leaving the house, it needs to be able to pay a lot more bills than it's paying, or I really need to get some more satisfaction out of it. You know, what could I do? What should I have done? Like they're coming back and like they're saying, I really want to choose my career this time around. And that's a lot of fun because they have plenty of skills. And I would say uh, 75% of skills are transferable. And it's really about just figuring out how do we take what you already did and then match that up with like your natural talents and what you're excited about and turn that into a job. That must be so rewarding when you get to work with someone like this. That sounds terrific. It's magical. It's so much fun and getting to see and just like knowing to me, knowing that a family is going to be affected, having like a happier wife and mother coming home every day, feeling like satisfied and not burnt out for work is the best part. That's amazing. Yeah. What a perk. Great part of the job. Absolutely. So I'm thinking about 30 some years ago, we were just at the cusp of starting to have women to go to college. I know a little unusual because I live out of town, but in my graduating class of 12, four of us went to college and that was like unheard of. You know, beforehand, it was an unusual, very unusual one or two people. And now, I mean, wow. <laughs> Can you speak to some of the trends you're seeing as far as women going to college after seminary and what that's like? Are we talking about Lakewood or the rest of the world, which I mean, the, the dry state area? Uh -huh. And so <laughs> it's fascinating to me how, how Lakewood has become its own economic reality center, bubble <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. reality. Yeah, if you want to be polite. And I'm seeing a couple of things. Because there are so many businesses, you know, people who have maybe moved from New York to Lakewood and taken their businesses with them um, and need like business talents and employees, corporate kind of workers, and they're fighting for talent. So there are young girls who are getting job offers starting at $35 an hour without any professional training or experience. 
And so then their friends who are signed up to OT school or something else look at them and say, what, you're earning $75,000 and you don't have any, you know, any education and you're making as much money as I might when I graduate in four years from now with, you know, $100,000 in debt. So that's changing the perspective from a lot of people who may have gone to school, but unless they develop a really good skill set, which a lot of them do, like they have the chance to learn about uh, real estate or e-commerce or, or healthcare, um, which are like the three biggest uh, fields that I see there, they have a skill set that they can use anywhere that they go. Mm-hmm. But in general, yeah. So when I was, I'll say I graduated high school 2006. So then probably 50 out of the 100 girls in my class went to get degrees in education. Uh, something like that. Sounds like some of those probably went to OT also, but I don't know, maybe. Yeah, like let's say over speech and OT and and special ed, right? Probably. Mm-hmm. You know, when I graduated, you know, 80, 90 percent of girls, I think, were getting degrees, you know, just graduating from Basalco in the tri-state area. But they were not very varied in the types of degrees. I, I knew one person who went to PA school. Right. So nowadays um, that's changed a lot. First of all, and this is very recent, I think like since COVID, more people than ever are questioning going to college altogether. But, and I think this is the general population, but especially in in the free markets, but people who are still going to school are the very popular fields now. Like I think the special ed of today is design. Mm -hmm. So a lot of interior design and graphic design, there are some great courses. So then when people compare it to, you know, going to FIT or Parsons in, in Manhattan versus taking one of these excellent from courses online, depending on where they're going to work, often they're going to go with a from year long course, spend a lot less money and, and still be able to get a decent job, provided that they start off working in the from community, you know. Yeah. And they're going to learn skills. I mean, imagine you're taking a design class and you're learning how to design a, a kosher kitchen. That's going to actually give you more hands-on skills if your first job ends up in Lakewood or, you know, Brooklyn or, or whatever. Exactly. And then um, what surprised me was how many uh, from people went into um, like software development, software engineers, like a lot of tech people. I've heard from a lot of women who didn't think that they would, you know, had no interest in it, didn't know anything about it, but it was suggested to them. They found a really great program and they're very happy in this field. And comment that I hear a lot is that like, I didn't realize it was a creative industry. Uh I think in general, what's not going to change is that introverts are going to always prefer it and people (laughs) who are extroverted are always going to struggle with it. But, you know, any kind of marketing also is a new popular field, you know, whether it's digital marketing or website, that's like a hot thing. And there's so many new um, branding firms, uh, marketing firms that are from that employ from people. So that's also like a really new popular industry. Yeah. So I'm going to take advantage of my position here to have you settle <laughs> settle a bet that I'm or a discussion. I'm not going to call it a bet that I constantly have with one of my sons who keeps saying, Ma, why am I going to go and study this and study that? I'm just going to take a course on Amazon and, you know, you see these guys, they're making a killing. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, you can't count on it. You don't know. Just, you know, you're not hearing about the hundreds of guys who aren't making a killing. So I guess, can you speak to that for a minute in terms of this whole e-commerce? I mean, is it, is it real? Is it a bubble? Is that a realistic plan? Is that called a plan, you know, in terms of career? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. I mean, to your son, your mother's always right. To you? Yes. Um, <laughs> he, he's kind of right, right? I mean, he's looking at people who go to school and they're maxed out. You know, their earning potential is always going to be limited. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and he says you go into the world of e-commerce and it just feels like the sky's the limit. So here's the question. Do you plan on being a business owner or an employee? Because the only people who make a lot of money in e-commerce are the business owners. So if you're planning to be a business owner, then I would still recommend listening to your mother and probably getting an MBA because the way I look at it is the same five years that it's going to take you to figure it out yourself. You could have spent in school. Um, now, if you're a DIYer and like making all your own mistakes, go for it if you can afford it, mm-hmm. right? But there's still going to be some business knowledge that's going to be really helpful, especially if you're a guy coming out of yeshiva. You're probably going to really want to just get a well-rounded education, learn how to speak well, learn how to communicate, learn how to write professionally, learn some accounting, learn some basic and finance and whatever the general uh, knowledge that an MBA covers. But it depends, I guess, how much of a risk taker you are. There are plenty of e-commerce professionals that are earning a lot of money. What I've seen many people do, which is smart, is go get your degree, get a profession, and then assuming that you're going into it as a business owner, build it up on the side, right? Hire somebody else to manage your Amazon account. Make your good money as a doctor or a lawyer, Uh right, as a good Jewish boy should do, and then build it up on the side. If you're going into it, though, just to be an employee, like to be someone else's e-commerce manager, salesman warehouse manager, you're never going to make a lot. You're not going to have a skill that's ever going to be very high earning. Right. I mean, I think there's always that hope, like, I'll start here and I'll end up there. But there's no guarantee on that one. My answer also is much more like, it doesn't really matter what the industry or the market says. It really, it's still back to the same, you know, good advice from the level. It's like, first, you need to know what you're naturally good at. So if you're the kind of guy who's just an excellent, you know, salesman and great with people, but can sit in a classroom. So it doesn't matter. Go do what you're good at. If all you can do is talk, you can make a lot of money that way. Right, right. And here's kind of a loaded question. You can answer it as politically correct as you want. What are you seeing in terms of the marketability of some of these degrees that our young people are getting in the from colleges? Are those degrees as marketable when they actually enter the workforce? Oh, this is a great question. I've had this debate with the managers, owners of said co- or unsaid colleges. And from watching what happens over the last, say, 10, 15 years, I think it's very simple. If you plan to work in the Heimish world, a Heimish degree is going to be perfect. If you plan to go out of there and go to corporate America, it's not going to land you your first job. Now, after your first job, I don't think it matters. It's really the first job that if you're, you know, if you went to Harvard Law, yes, you're going to have some offers, right? If you went to, you know, Heimish off-brand, whatever university, Mm -hmm. going to be a challenge, right? But then I think after that first job, once you have a real portfolio or experience behind you, it really matters a lot less. That's actually really helpful because I think for a lot of people, it feels like either or, and you're saying it's really not that uh, clear cut. There's like a stepping stone there. Yeah, my personal view is, If you're doing it for the hashkafic reasons, then, you know, I feel like, well, then that's going to be good for you, right? (laughs) Right. From an overall perspective, if you're doing it to do the fast, easy, just get the slap, the piece of paper down, you're anyways not going to get the most out of it. So then I would question if you should go get the degree at all. Right. Well, I think this really kind of circles back to what you started out with. You know, for many from people going into the job market, it's about a job. It's not necessarily about a career. And, you know, more power to them and matovu manoim if they find a job and something that they love to do. So for many people, it's just about how can I get the skills that I need in order to enter the job force as opposed to it 
really being the defining force of who I am or my life trajectory. And that's not to say that people aren't passionate about their work and that there aren't people out there who who are defined by their career. But I think for many people, it's a means to an end. It's not the end itself. And if they can find their fulfillment through it and channel their passions through it, I think a lot of times that's enough. Yeah, I think it's more of like a do no verb. Like, don't get a job that, you know, works against your nature. It doesn't take your natural talents or interests into account. But then, you know, you're not going to be defined by it. And just to point out an interesting thing that I see, I don't know if this is true, it's just my opinion. But when I compare like the modern Orthodox with the Litvish, with the Fasidish community, mm-hmm. do I have permission to go into that? Yes, I was just, that was actually the last question I wanted to ask you about. And here you, you just went through yourself. Thank you. Well, what's your question? And then I'll I was just curious what you saw as some of the differing, um, for lack of a better word, trends, our (laughs) overused word today, yeah. Well, something that I I respect and maybe a little bit envy about Placidim is that they just don't care. Like, (laughs) you know, my husband sometimes dobbins with um, a Placidish minion and, you know, he comes home and tells me about this guy who moved in and that guy. And I, my first question is obviously always, well, what does he do? And he never knows. Doesn't matter. Nobody talks about work. Nobody cares. They go to each other's simplas all the time, and he just doesn't know or care what they do. It's just, it's not a thing. So you have the bus driver sitting next to uh, the person who owns the multi-million dollar brokerage, and it's just not important. And I think it's amazing how they um, don't mind going into the, like, the trade, like being a plumber and, you know, things that, like, I think a lot of Litfish guys would never even consider. So I think because they've hatched less and less value to it, you know, they just do what, what works for them. Now, I'm not going to say that that leads to the right career. I work with a lot of Hasidish men who say like, you know, I guess it's 50-50 chance that they're going to land up in something good. And then I talk to the other 50% who say like, yeah, you know, I had this family business or a guy in Shoal, you know, gave me my first job. I got trained how to be an electrician or I got trained into construction. I got trained into insurance, whatever. And then it didn't fit for them. So even thinking about a career was never a topic. It wasn't something that you discussed until you needed one really badly yesterday. And so that's where it gets tricky. Oh, and then the Hasidish woman, I rarely speak to them because I feel also like I respect so much where they have it really straight. Like, you know, my husband's in charge of bringing home the money and I'm in charge of the household. And they don't really, I mean, the ones that I see, again, my opinion, don't really worry themselves about where it's going to come from. You know, as soon as they feel that they're needed more at home because, you know, maybe they had a certain number of children, maybe whatever the responsibilities grew, um, they very easily leave the workforce. And so most of them, and I know many, you know, amazingly successful Fasidish business uh, women owners, so, so not those, but the general population, they're never looking for a career. They're just looking for a job. So the social life is important. You know, the perks are important. If it's nearby is important, a nice Hamish environment. So, you know, so they're, they're not looking for a career ever. And then with the Liffish woman, there's, there's a huge pressure really young, right? So 18, we didn't discuss it before, but now that you're 18, you need to make a decision right now. And there's a lot of pressure. And then the men are thinking about it. One, they often have a family to support, maybe a mortgage, maybe they have, you know, whatever number child and, and they realize that they need to. And what's sad to me is that I work with couples a lot. So, you know, the husband will say, I realize it's really getting hard for my wife and I really want to be able to help out. Mm -hmm. And then there's just those years between like, maybe he's going to go get a degree because a Hasidish man where he probably isn't going to consider a degree, a Litvish guy is very likely to go get an MBA or accounting degree. So if those years when his wife is still working, he needs a job and to go to school. And so 
that just makes for a couple of years where it's pretty intense and there's, you know, very little extra time or, or resources. And I don't know that we want to do anything about because, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a reason why that happens. But but that's a very tough time. And in the modern Orthodox community? Oh, so that's like completely different. I think that they're all thinking about it. You know, their 15 year olds already have a plan and research and they'll call me with like amazing questions. Mm-hmm. I'll work with them less because they do have parents in, in professional fields and they have a lot more resources in the schools that they go to. But they are absolutely getting a degree. There's absolutely no question about it. Equally men and women. And they're going to have an any, you know, at home. And mm-hmm. it's it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. They'll get a degree whether or not they plan to use it. Yeah. It's, it's almost part of the culture, the identity. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because the way colleges started originally, like in the 18, uh, 1700s, college was really meant to be for the elite as a way, like a club, like a way to network, right. which is what it still is. Right. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that level. If you're just going to school for the sake of going to school, that's really what it is. Right. And then there's the going to school, like, you know, the litfish is just like, I need to get that piece of paper so I can go become an OT so that I can earn this many dollars an hour so that I can support my family so that I can get home and pick up from the babysitter on time. Right. 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 Is there that sense of frenetic, uh, freneticness, <laughs> frenicity? I don't know what the word is. Yeah, it sounds right. With the modern Orthodox to try to get it all under your belt as fast as possible or the assumption is that like a four year degree is going to take you four years? I mean, there's, I think, a lot more pressure because I think they're going to be a lot more defined by mm-hmm. what career path they choose and what school they go to. And their grades are going to matter a whole lot more. Right. But I don't think they're in a rush to get there. They expect you're going to medical school, you know, we'll see you when you're 29. Right. Exactly. Wow. Well, this has been incredibly informative. I really appreciate all your insights and your knowledge here. Any parting messages to whoever's listening out there? Anything you want to say about career choice? Thank you. Well, it's such an honor to be here. And, and I mean, Mishpafa is, feels like a, like a community to me. So the fact that there's this podcast and, you know, just being able to share with listeners is, is amazing. I think the one message is that you're not choosing once. And this is the message that, like, I would have loved to tell, like, my 18-year-old self. It's like, don't worry. It's not like you have, you know, between the end of seminary and September to choose your whole lifelong career and who you're going to be and what you're good at and everything until you're 65 or older, like take it one step at a time. It's about, you know, figuring out what's the first step, what's the second step. You can always gain skills. It's not like I chose once and then I'm stuck forever. People change. And you evolve as a person. You know, the person you are at 18 is hopefully not the person (laughs) you are at 32, right? Exactly. So make a decision for one step ahead. And mostly don't look at the market. Keep it in mind. But look at yourself because doing what works for you using your natural talent, even in a typically low paying field, is going to put you way higher than if you try to do what's popular, but it's just not you. Wow. Well, this was really fabulous. Thank you so much for your time and for your expertise. And uh, really appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Makeshift. Enjoy this episode, share it with your friends. Have a comment to share about this episode, a topic you'd like to discuss, or a guest to suggest? We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at familyfirst at mishpacha.com or at mishpacha.com slash makeshift, where you can also subscribe to receive updates and new episodes. This episode was produced by Jag in Detroit Podcast. Makeshift, a mishpacha podcast.